You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Welcome to another episode of the Bandwagon Podcast. And today, um, I'm, I'm kind of recording this on International Women's Day. So this is kind of my um, small gesture of trying to get this, uh, get, get the movement going, or, well, uh, enhancing it as best as I can. Um, my guest today is somebody who I've always kind of had a, uh, an eye on, uh, a trailblazer in, in her own way. And you always kind of spot these kind of outliners, and um, and Rapinda Verdi is one of those. Rapinda, welcome to the Bandwagon Podcast. Thank you, thank you so much, and thank you for the really warm welcome. Um, I know we were meant to do this before, and I was really <laughs> unwell. <laughs> you know, so your patience with me was unreal. Um, no, it's okay. it's fine, man. Because I think one of the one of the hardest things is trying to get that logistically getting the timings right for people's yeah. own lives and stuff and yeah you know, this is um this is kind of one of those annoying things where like i'll just be like yeah are you how are you is everything okay yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. It, yeah. i i i you know they say things happen in threes i'd put my back out and i had a really i had a cold but i had a really bad throat that i couldn't even talk I lost my voice completely mm. and then uh, i got i had an eye infection and so I was like, right, that's God's sign just to say stop for two days, three days, and we resume. So, uh, yeah, it happens in threes, nothing more now. <laughs> Rapinda, how would you best kind of describe yourself in terms of the work that, you, that, you, that you'd be involved in? What, what would be a good starting place for you? I feel, I get asked this a lot, and I feel like I've had probably four careers. <laughs> and and so I would say that I'm an entrepreneur but my what I really do now and I've always done and and the focus of what I'm good at is strategy so I would say as a strategist and and the storyteller so um although my work uh, has originally always been PR I think that my scope and the way that I work PR has always been on a really lateral level 
And then as we've moved from kind of an analog age to digital to where we are now with with social advertising, social marketing, the same trail still kind of runs. You still need to have really good storytelling skills. You really need to have good strategic skills. Um, And whatever business I've done, it's anchored in the music and entertainment all the time and I had a little blip which we'll go we'll we'll talk about Mm -hmm. um that is still run all the way through so I would say strategy and storytelling is my bag and do you think like uh predominantly the kind of people who kind of listen to this podcast from say South Asian background from um from that America Canada India and the UK obviously do you think as a community, let's say this community, get these things completely wrong? I respect that there is a model for that industry. And I can see some territories where they're really adept in that growth and implementing strategy and then having knowing how to work that market. And India is a really, really good example. India is a really good example of this because they do work strategically they do have a model that works for their um, audiences their communities and it's very fast-paced and and I can see how they've they've molded that for their territory outside of India I think the model with a lot of respect I say this is still very insular Mm. you know you have your litmus test and say okay if I make it out Say for the UK, we live in the UK, so I'll use a UK example. If I've made it on the playlist at the BBC Asia Network, I've made it as talent, you know. And um, and I think we, we have glass ceilings, we have concrete ceilings, and then we, we create our own ceiling. And I, I think that there's scope to do more. We shouldn't be settling for what's good enough. You know, there's a whole world of, of, of money to be made, um there's a whole world of being seen being in- included within and um i think that we as a community could explore that so much more mm. Let, let's work our way up in terms of how you kind of broke your your the in your field the the, the glass ceiling so when, when we first had this conversation it, yeah. it, was re- it, it was really interesting because it's one of those conversations that went from like it's going to be a high 30 second a minute It'll be like about 45 minutes on a car journey to, I, feel, I don't know, grave, I don't know where we go with Dartmouth. I don't know, I'm just making it up. Um, and and you, you, you had this sense that you were like, oh, I didn't know what I was going to, what you wanted to talk about. And, and I just said, okay, let, let's just start at the beginning. And then all of a sudden, you know, from the kind of stories that we're going to go through and where we're going to get, get to, you know, it's quite, it's quite remarkable. So, yeah. In this area of kind of PR, how, was that an area that you always thought about as you were growing up to say, right, this is the industry that I want to get into? I I knew that I really wanted to work. I loved music and I wanted to find a career in the music industry. And um, I did like GCSE music. I did A-level music. I did A-level classical music, piano um, and then I saw that this this course was launching. It was one of the first courses that launched, and it was music industry management, and then you could choose your specialist, and I chose marketing. Um, I didn't want to do, I didn't want to do PR, and I didn't even know 
hand on heart I didn't even realize that that was a career option at that time um so I did this course I absolutely loved it I met some really great people and while I was on that course um there was a friend of mine who was a year above me and he'd already left and started working in the business and we, we were really good friends I think a lot of people had some issues with him um because he was gay which I think is absolutely unreal um next thing I know I'm working at Universal Records before I've even graduated um it wasn't like the nicest job <laughs> but it was a foot in the door and it was in the press department right. so there was a there's a company a long time ago a long long time ago kiddos who are now living in the digital age uh, we, they, they, we used to basically uh, cut, physically cut the features or the stories, even if it's a bite-sized piece, on the talent. Uh, and we'd get this, um, we'd work with a company called Shadow Facts. I don't even know they're still around. And literally cut that copy, stick it on a piece of paper, the title of the magazine, so that'd be like The Enemy, you know, Bananarama, whatever. Scan it, fax the book, and send it to all the departments. like. It was, I was just glad that I had a job in the, in the industry. Um, and that's when I started really working. And, and this guy moved on to work with a, another company um, who's run by the head of press of uh, EMI, J.D. Dunleavy. And she took me under her wing. Um, and everything I know about PR was from this woman. She was working, um, she was working with like D'Angelo. Um, I think she worked with can't remember now um Robbie Williams was a big act and Louise Redknapp and the first campaign that I ever worked on I didn't even know how to write a press release <laughs> he said here's Louise Redknapp uh, we're doing a nationwide tour with Asda get on to regional press and I was like oh my god how do I do this and I was just thrown into deep end and I create that campaign and that's where I learned the art of storytelling outside of what just the, the the music was um you know that, you know your course that you started on which was that yeah the music music industry management yeah like firstly how was that perceived from like family wise because that's not the kind of standard kind of yeah. especially back there the this kind of line to go down and the other bits was was the stuff that you were learning because you said it was a new course relevant when you got into the practicality of working on louise redknapp's um yeah as the as the tour I, I don't even know how I winged that with my parents. My parents are so cool, it's unreal. Like, my parents are so supportive of everything. And it was it was such a non-issue. They were like, she's doing a degree. Even now, I said, I bet if you ask my mum, you know, what does Roop do? She probably, the music, they're rich, which kind of Wow, if you got P, if you got PR... The R's right. You can just change the P into a D, and it's a doctor. So you know, it's that's close enough. I'm gonna say that. So I don't know how I got with that. I think you know, I worked really hard. I paid paid my um for myself through university and stuff. I had like three jobs, all of that. Um, so I I I don't know how I got away with that, but they're really supportive. And then um, did I learn the skills that I needed to work in the music industry by doing that course? No. Um. It was a brilliant experience and I learned a lot generally about marketing, but I think the architecture of that course, and I don't know what it's like now, but potentially um, it's very old school. You know, you're, you're learning about, you're, you're learning about theory, 
and in in and when you take that theory and put it into that the, the actual live space that you're working in who cares it's like what are we doing now how are we developing now how do you do marketing data analysis how do you make the data and convert it into a decision making process that wasn't there so no it didn't help me but what did help me was networking with those people and being friends with those people because um they are all working within the entertainment industry um and I suppose it was almost like maybe we were guinea pigs for the course. Mm. And I, I know the university is doing really well now and the courses have developed and it's it's huge. But when I was there, we were on a tiny little course, uh, uh, campus in the middle of nowhere. And we look out the window, there's sheep. <laughs> and then we're, we're learning about the music business. So, yeah, I think I think courses have come on a long way since then. But I think at that time we were probably guinea pigs for it. And then like, what 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 was your first you get told louise read that what's your what's the first thing that you do at that point panic yeah and then and that's, that's okay to, it's it's okay to panic <laughs> though isn't it sorry it's okay to panic though yeah it's okay to panic and um you know my friend was still there and i literally i'm i'm really analog and actually for for years and years and years um, my Instagram and all my social profiles were analog girl for a really long time. Uh, and I've, I've refreshed them and grown up to call myself Rupinda Verdi. I got pen and paper. I got massive. I, ha- I lo- have a love affair with, you know, large sheets of paper, A2 paper, put it down in front of me and said, OK, what do I need? Well, we need the press release. How do I write it? OK, let me start. There were examples on the on file and, you know, then Jodie checked them. And I had to literally search and create a regional database of all the media that were at every ASDA all around the country and then national press and just call them. And Ricky, honestly, it was the scariest thing when you call a journalist and they do not give a crap about who you are until they hear what they want to hear. So I, as I was making the calls, I was developing my elevator pitch to them. Mm. So instead of saying, I'm so-and-so calling from so-and-so, because uh, they don't care about who I am or where I'm calling from. Got a story about Louise Redknapp that's coming to your area. Uh, okay, I've caught their attention. Then we can, you know, look at the conversation. So that's where you kind of read it. And it's really hard to get knocked back as a young kid, you know, dealing with journalists who just don't care because they get pitched 11 million stories a day. Mm-hmm. So that figuring that out... Um, I really enjoyed. I really, and I still really enjoy that. Give me a problem, I'll solve it. Like literally, give me the problem, I'll solve it. Because the way my brain operates, I can see things in front of me, um, and I can see how to join the dots. Yeah. Um, and I, I really love doing it. I really love doing that part. So then, from that experience, um, I'm, I'm guessing it went really, really well, and then you've got praise for it, or. What was the kind of the what was the areas that you learned very quickly? Yeah. Well, you talked about the elevated pitch, but what what did you take from there to go into kind of the next bit? And the reason why I'm going into this bit is to try and give a picture to people out there in terms of like the formulaic kind of structure of of how PR press and market all this yeah. is out there. It's not just as simple as nowadays where you just see someone someone's put someone on a feed. Now there's actually an art and science with it. Yeah. So yeah, I, I learned a lot because. 
that's where you learn strategy and why you've got to be focused on what you want to do and how you look at things in the in with a wholesome view and the whole circle um and and i don't think publicists um get enough kudos for the amount of hours that go in so if you look at it on as a formula you early stages you end up putting a lot more hours than what you do get for your actual output but if you're looking at a long-term strategy you know that that work really counts so really small things like making sure your talents uh, your their records are being reviewed on dj magazine and then you and it's a tiny little piece but that joined up with something else leads to a feature story which leads to tv you know so it was like um that hard work really really amounts to everything but what I what was really what I learned and took away and I still have to this day is relationships I, I took a break from music and then when I came back I'm, I was working on a project and I thought oh let me just call a few journalists and and I did and they still answered the, the call they still made time for me and that is purely based on that two-way relationship like I gave them respect, I gave them time, and it was vice versa. Um, and those people are now at completely different spaces, you know. Those people are in higher positions in, in, in within organisations. So that's something that I really learned to kind of keep up with. And, the, and that's the value of the difference between having that small feature as the output, but the outcome is 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 for the is the is the relationship and, and managing those. So when you pull on it, it it's there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, completely. And and you never know when you're going to need people in life and just generally in life, you know, keep relationships clean. They're either black or white. There's no gray area. Um, there is no gray area with me. And, and I, I think that's why some people love me and some people don't. But I'm fine with that, you know. I think that's just generally life anyway, isn't it? You, yeah, exactly. You're not going to be, that's in work and in personal, you ain't going to be able to please everyone. What did you, what was your next kind of high, some of your memories back then as a, yeah. uh, in, in that bit on other projects and, and who if? Yeah. So then, then uh, JD changed her company to, uh, changed her company name to Arrested. And then uh, one of my girlfriends joined on, uh, Charlotte Clark. She's, she did a, she did a, a stint at um, Head of Publicity for Channel for Entertainment, I think it was. And then now is at Inferno PR. And, she's amazing so we started really developing um the proposition so um and this is like on we really had just started um that digital media scene had just started and people didn't know it wasn't really I don't even remember it being called social media then we were using words like uh peer-to-peer -peer sharing and you know uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was wild you could tell um, that's like a uh, lime wire days or naps that no yeah, no, 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 right, no, yeah. no but yeah it was exactly days. that time and um I was really getting involved in that scene uh and then our circle of friends were becoming to be like in those positions so it's like I had a friend who was like head of music at Bebo then had um, a friend who was head of music at MySpace. So then I was trying to say to my boss, look, we really need to move into digital PR. She's like, what is that even? Um, but gave me the scope to, to look at developing that. And the first, ta first artist that we had that I was really allowed to kind of do build a camp digital campaign with was Miss Dynamite. And, um, 
uh, Naomi had, she was coming back with a brand new album. There was massive, like, spend on it. Bill that, was, that, was, that was when she was peak, like, with respect, like, you know. Yeah, yeah, was, yeah. Uh, it was yeah, it was, it was massive. And everyone was really excited about it. And then, you know, I remember in a meeting, we put him, like, my hands up going, oh, we should explore online. 35, 40 different interviews because people were hungry at the time. You know, I'm talking about like, even at Jamal, like, you know, um, bless him. He was like super, super hungry and he was there every kind of um, opportunity, even when he would create that opportunity, even when there wasn't an opportunity, you know. And, and, and I think that time was really exciting because I felt like we were developing something. Um, so, yeah, Miss Dynamite was one of the, the big, big things at that time was really exciting to kind of grow with and most labels at that time didn't even have a digital division were you, were you operating in the same sphere as Jamal Edwards was at that time or was yeah Jamal like... was brilliant he was a young kid I remember the first time I met him and um the first time I met him we were doing a press call with D12 so I was looking after D12 and um I remember him just turning up and he had like a camcorder just on his own, no crew, nothing. And he was just always emailing, this is me, this is what I'm doing, I'm building SBTV. Um, and there was an event that they were doing in Camden. And I was like, yeah, go for it. Here's your pass, do your thing, you know? And I remember like every conference, no matter who the talent was, what was going on, Jamal was like the first person to respond, the first person to email. Um, I'm just trying to think if there was anyone else that was really on it like that. Uh, and you, like, Charlie, just... Sloth, Charlie Sloth was really on it. I remember we were doing, like, there was D12, we were doing a press conference. We were putting it to, on, it was at the Academy in Islington. And he, they, I didn't really know of them at that time. And, and he turned up with Pro Green and they had like CDs and mixtapes and stuff. And um, they weren't being let in or something like that. And I'd just gone out to be on the phone um and I'm like yeah come in you know come in sit down they gave them the mixtapes and you know we were playing I remember playing that them the band playing the mixtape in the car on the way to like the show um so yeah like I remember Charlie Slough's name um from then and then you know Pro Green and look at those guys now I, I like you know you just casually I, I know you're not like this anyway but you're just casually just dropping those names and these guys yeah. Oh, massive like d12 at that time yeah no just crazy that was crazy that was crazy there was another time that i was um when when d12 came over and i uh, eminem was doing i think he was doing tea in the park and we had to get like these t-shirts he wanted like t-shirts and clothes so i'm like calling everyone uh i remember calling d-boy d-boy is legendary and uh he was like yeah don't worry Rupa, i'll get these t-shirts sorted for you and um I can't even remember if they were money. Money? Do you remember the money brand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they sent some T-shirts. We sent them up for M. I can't even remember if he wore one. But I was massively pregnant. I was heavily pregnant. And I remember we were um, we were going to a hotel and these, like, huge rappers and little, old, little me, massive belly, and they're holding my bag, like, my laptop. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you, bring it, you bring your own entourage? Yeah, such a scene, and uh, they're really good guys to work with. I'm still in touch with them. Okay, so how do you then? How do you manage like yeah. e egos, especially like because you can see these guys are 
predominantly guys in this bit, which are, you know, the examples that he just said, you know, they're, they're huge. They get in anything that they want. Their riders are probably ridiculous. You know, how do you kind of manage to, what's the, actually, what's the most ridiculous rider that you've ever seen? I'll be, I'll be honest with you, the bigger the artist is, the smaller the rider is, unless they're like J-Lo, and I've never worked with J-Lo. I think my business partner, Ben's worked, worked with J-Lo. Um, but, I mean, like, these guys did nothing. It was just like, water, can we have water? Food, just give them food and water. Honestly, like, I can't think of anyone. I think Daniel Beddingfield had, like, a crazy rider once, like, specific fruits and specific drinks or whatever. Um I can't think of anyone that's got a crazy rider. I'll be honest with you. Most people ask for they see people is like the riders are alcohol. Mm. You know, um, music artists. I haven't seen anything. World. I'm going to think about this all night now. Like, see, oh. that's it. It's because you've never been asked this. Yeah. Yeah. No. Never. Crucial question. Yeah. So. Like, um, you're you're dealing with these kind of artists and going on there is is your in, in terms of the way that you're seeing things are you are you happy at that point because like obviously you're you're riding the wave alongside all these bigger artists you're getting bigger yeah. and bigger and as you're getting bigger there's more and more demands that are coming on to you or the business starts expanding and your relationships are getting bigger you've got family pressures there now you just yeah. touched it how do you how are you managing everything Mm, it's difficult to manage it's not easy um but um one thing that I I had a, I learned a really big lesson which was trust no one to treat you the same way that you treat them and also limit what you give to people because at that time I was given and given and given so much of my time like you could call me anytime, I would respond anytime because the media, because the media industry work like that. If there's a news story, you've got to be on it to deliver on that news story. You've got to be proactive as much as possible, but it does get really tiring. Um, and yeah, my biggest lesson was just not to give yourself too much and also not to trust anyone, you know? And I think like when you're what the difference is when you're working in that, business and you're seeing famous people a lot when you're in a room talking to them about work they're very regular people mm. you know unless it's someone crazy like Kanye West I can't imagine what those conversations are like but actually they're re- the, the 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 celebrity and stardom and the performance part of what they do is very small in comparison to the amount of hard work that they do when they're sitting at a table with you, it's like, okay, what are we doing? How are we doing this? When are we doing this? Um, what you know, it's it's very work based, and then you see them as a person, uh, and you, and there's none of the, um, you know, people say like, don't meet meet your idols. I've said that quite a lot on here, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah before you don't meet one person that I I haven't met and I had the opportunity to meet was Erica Badu. I was a massive fan, still am, you know um and I can't even remember the guy's name now but he was managing her in the UK she she came over I think she played the academy in Brixton we got to watch the show from like backstage from the side and then she came out and he's like oh you know uh, this is Rapinda and I just like I couldn't even speak 
Starstruck. Like, yeah, fully, fully. And everyone's like, why are you getting starstruck? <laughs> but for me, that was that was major for was me. Was she late, late, I could be totally wrong, was she late 90s or early? Yeah, kind of late 90s. She had a lot of vibe before and then she released on and on. And then, yeah. you know, I think like you kind of love those artists where you don't, you know, that was like a moment. Um, and then I had an opportunity to meet Zach Mama at the Jazz Cafe. Uh, and that was like two moments I couldn't, I was just like beyond. Yeah. Oh, and Prince, sorry, Prince. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah let's just so drop that in there. Yeah. I, I was, um, I, my best friend, Michelle Escoffrey, is so dope. She's a songwriter. She's an award winning songwriter. Ivan Avellos, you know, she's, she's president of PRS at the moment. And we, she used to run a night called Kindred Spirit. And I met her when I was doing PR. And when I decided to leave that PR company, she said, will you, she was the first person that said to me, will you still continue to do PR for me and with me? But prefacing that, when I, when I was leaving, she'd had a meeting at our office, which was in Covent Garden. And I'm thinking, how am I going to tell her that I'm not going to work here anymore? How am I going to tell her? And I was like, stressed. We walked all the way down to the train station and the central line, eastbound and westbound. And we were standing right there. It was a real sliding doors moment. And then I said, Michelle, I'm leaving arrested PR. And so she was in shock. And then like without a doubt, she's like, yeah, but we're still going to work together, right? Let's work together. That was my first client, my, my first sort of, um real kind of oh I can do this on my own moment um but anyway so we she used to run a night called Kindred Spirit I became a partner in that night and it was the largest um live music event in London that did anything about well really like you know black music poetry art bands we had a full live band um it was amazing and um, we started a s- smaller nights and we started looking after this lady called Marva King. So Marva King is a singer and a songwriter and she was part of Prince's band. And um, we did live nights with Marva and it was amazing that the, the, the respect was amazing. We did like Q and A's with her. No one had really done that kind of model where you have a live acoustic set with somebody and then a live Q and A. The intimacy, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and funny enough, the nights were called Intimates and they're based on like <laughs> that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you need me. Um, and and she said, look, she's like, oh, she used to call me Miss Rapinda. She's like, Miss Rapinda, I got someone I want you to meet. Oh, the worst American accent. And so she's like, Prince is doing 21 dates at the O2 and I'd love you to kind of like meet him. Um, I probably went to most of those nights. He turned up at one of the nights that we were doing with, with Marva, which was the ACLT ball. I'm sure like most people know what the ACLT ball is. And um, I remember this moment and she, she just whispered to me, she's like, um, you know, our friend Prince might turn up, so I need you to handle security. I was like, okay. She said, if there's one flash, he will leave. I remember saying this to me, this is one flash, you will leave. So there's a huge like dinner, um, it's a proper ball. Um, she's on stage. The band actually, the drummer from the band was now a singer from JLS. You know, the one who's got the farm? Uh, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I'm not that big a fan to know their names, but I know who you're talking about. Yeah. 
anyway, so I Love just. <laughs> I don't know, no, it's not <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but anyway, so I get this like nod from the security guy, and I'm like, okay, nod back. And then I just see Prince walk through like this back fire exit, coming around to the back. So he's got the perfect view of like Marva. And um someone flashed, someone got their phone out, ching, and he just tipped his hat and then just walked straight back out. Unreal. Yeah. Did you ever get a chance to speak with him or? Words wouldn't come out my mouth. I was face to face with him like a bunch of times and he's very polite and very nice. And they all had like, he had his own like pastry chef and stuff. Like the OT was something. He would do like a whole concert and then do an, like pretty much another concert straight after at the Indigo OT. You don't know who was going to turn up. It would be like just him and friends. And then the one night like Amy Winehouse was there. Uh, and then like he just had friends that just jammed. But it was pra- I don't know where the man got this energy, but he would literally do a whole concert and then practically do another concert after that. Unbelievable. He's man- he was managed by this um, lady who I massively look up to called Kieran, and she uh, has an agency called Kick It. And she is also South Asian. Um, and... I was just in awe, you know. I've met her, I've met her like recently, you know, fangirled all over her. <laughs> but yeah, she's South Asian and she managed Prince. I mean, incredible, right? I mean, there's just so many elements to kind of process and um, I'm trying to digest and I'm just trying to find the, the right question. I'm probably having your moment now when you when you actually meet, meet, meet uh, when you actually met him. But was there anything that when you were in his company that you could tell set him apart from everybody else everything energy energy like I think it's respect people have a complete different level of respect for him I don't know many people that will be like approach him I I don't think people even of a really high level could just approach him if you weren't in his inner circle um I just think people are in incredible awe I don't think there's many artists maybe there are artists now but very few and far between that you would feel in awe of. you wouldn't have to be a Prince fan to be in awe of him mm. period you know legendary status I'm just gonna shout out Bobby Friction because if he ever he's listening to this bit, I know he's probably just collapsed. So, yeah, I'm just I'm just giving a head nod to him. Yeah, I, I Bobby gave me a lot of time, man. Bobby still gives me a lot of time. I met Bobby. This is how I met Bobby. Um, so I I used to have to do some Nihal. I love Nihal. Mad respect for Nihal. Because when I was um, doing music PR, he had his TV show at MTV. And I remember, like, we used to have to run that tapes. I don't people know what that tapes are, but we used to have to run them up to Camden sometimes and just, like, hand them in so MTV would play the videos. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was looking after the press for uh, Timbaland. And, uh, yep. Just it, another name. Timbaland. Yep. And there was, a rec- there was a track on the record they were putting out called Indian Flute. 
and everyone in, in the office just looked at me like well you're brown you're Indian like work it girl work it and I was like oh my god I don't know I don't really know anyone Indian in that scene Actually, I did know one Indian person called Mango Saul and um he's dope man he was like my closest friend we're still friends um he was a writer at Smash Hits do you remember Smash Hits magazine yeah all of a sudden I'm getting like safe by the bell hanging with Mr. California dreams yeah so like he he was he was was Asian so we connected anyway so uh, my boss said to me oh you need to meet Nihal so two brown people in the industry connect we're both on that like you know the, the black music side and Nihal really opened my eyes to this whole Asian scene like whole this scene of like Asian radio Asian press, TV, like literally it was eye-opening and he introduced me to Bobby Friction because mm-hmm. then they had that yeah, show. Yeah. Yeah. And um, at that time I also met Mentor. And yeah. then I remember like M- Mentor was commissioned to do a remix for Indian Flute. And I was also looking after John B around about that time. And then I know Mentor did a remix for one of his songs as well. And um, yeah, really nice guy. And and and, and I so... Bobby, I would have ideas and I'd just go to like Bobby in the heart and say, look, I'm thinking of doing this or thinking of this interview. I don't think I ever got a knockback once. Um, even to this day, so I'm, I'm managing, co-managing an artist called Verose. He's, he's, he's an R&B singer, but he's Punjabi. And it was just one call to Bobby he said, look, I know this might not be your bag, but it might be, but this is what I'm doing. Gave him the pitch and we had, I had like immediate support. You know, I used to sneak into Talvin Singh's club nights and Bobby used to play there. Anoka, fake ID. <laughs> yeah, that's, man. Did you pay entrance? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. fine then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, you know, fake ID. But um, just, I just want to just, uh, catch something what you just said. You know, like your natural instinct wasn't. You wasn't open up to that whole the whole uh, desi market. Let's just put it that way. I'm just categorizing it in that yeah. side with the p- PR. But even generally, like musically, like it wasn't something I would it, listen to. Exactly, would, exactly. Yeah. So your your natural instinct wasn't going that way. It was yeah. This bit, like when you, if you got somebody like Verose now, yeah, and that and you know you said he's from a from a Punjabi background, yeah. Do you still feel that the natural base shouldn't be there? Do you think it's just you're just aiming for mainstream and then? Yeah. If it, oh, I don't know how to say this. Like, I don't, I don't mean this just in a disrespect. It. No, not in a disrespectful way. But if it if it doesn't work out in the mainstream way, oh, the Desi market's still always there to try and. No, not at all. Not at all. I think we should be able to choose whatever industry industry we want to choose. Yeah. Regardless of our creed period if you are if you are a k-pop singer and you're ivorian <laughs> it shouldn't matter mm. Veros is an r&b singer that loves r&b music he sings r&b music that's mm. his life that's his that's his force like he lives and breathes that he just happens to be punjabi right end of so the world that he's got to live in is that black music world, is that R&B world, and that's his audience. Saying that, why shouldn't he also be... There's so many Desi people that love R&B music. You go mm. to a night, half of it's R&B music. 
um, I feel that South Asian kids who would like his music might also love Bangla music, might also love drill though, might also love something else. And it's about representation as well. If we can have, you know, Jay did it, Raghav did it. I, I worked with Raghav, I haven't worked with Jay before, but it was exactly the same thing. They just happen to be brown. AP's doing it now. Like he's he's got that kind of crossover, but obviously he's just he's still singing it Punjabi. But that you, I just feel that the time, well, how the markets and how everyone's doing, everyone's able to kind of stand on their own. And I, what I was trying to get at before was like you can you you could be for the art, but not necessarily concentrate on the identity. But you should be able still to be able to use that. Yeah, like I, you know, we can't take the culture away from who we are. Mm. He he will still eat dal roti. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you understand? And and you know his his dad's got like a ma- his dad was a uh, DJ had a massive like um, black music collection, but then he did a little stint at, you know for um, like in a Bangla roadshow. We can't take the take away mm. the fact that we're Punjabi and our roots are Punjabi. Mm. We should be super proud of that, mm. and we should work within that industry. We should embrace those people. But it doesn't mean that because you're Punjabi, you are only going to listen to Bangla music. If he's their representative in an R&B scope and in that black music field, um, it's good for us, right? Do you think, let, we have let, someone that looks like him. There might be another young kid, 10, 11 years old, going, do you know what? I want to be R&B singer because Varos is there. I can see myself in him. That's the future for me. Let me just flip it the other way because obviously I'm not I'm not aiming it. I'm just talking about it in terms yeah, of yeah, scenarios yeah. and that. in. Do you think that's one of the limitations that's happening, in, especially in the kind of the UK, let's use the UK Bangla field, where they're just really blinkered in one way and not really open up to try and look at what the rest of the world is? It's a mindset thing, isn't it, Ricky? Like, it's, it's, that, it's oh, that's what I mean by the limitations, yeah. yeah. I think you put on your own limitations. If, you're, if your vision of success looks like, right, I'm getting my mortgage paid, I'm, I'm able to work as a musician full-time, and I'm in the top 10 on the Asian network, and that's good for me, then you made it, bro. Like, you fully made it. If that's your box, you've made yeah. it. Um, and I don't think, like, Bangla music needs to cross over into mainstream. Make it big in your industry. Mm. Make it international. Think of all the Punjabi, think all the desis, all the people that are going to love Punjabi music globally. Make that your business. You have one unheard message. <laughs> Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. I could really use Current. (laughs) I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, 
Visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. We want to travel, want to get out there, do the connects, don't let ego get in your way. But it doesn't mean like we haven't, by making make it in the mainstream industry, it doesn't mean like we made it. Yeah. You know, you, you create point. your focus of what you've made, like what is, makes you happy and you made it. And is that something that you kind of, that philosophy that you kind of, like obviously clearly already the amount of knowledge that you got, you can see Veros is getting a really good grounding, a good, you know, headset, a good yeah. in terms of vision wise. Is that something that you consciously have to work on an artist to try and help them see the, the, the they'll have their own vision, but yeah. then there's a difference between vision and strategy. And that's what your yeah, experience completely. comes from. Yeah. Is that what you have to try and reemphasize, especially if they're going through a bad patch or they're yeah. going for a good patch. You're just saying like, this is still yeah. the the overall objective. Yeah, it's it's difficult. I you know, I have my experience, but I also learned a lot from having really good people around me, like my business partner Ben uh, Winter. He's been managing talent for a long time, and you you forget artist management, talent management is really difficult. Mm. Working with creatives, you have to look at which part of like how creative they are on 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 a, on a spectrum. Because you can be absorbed in the creativity and not be able to monetize it. You can be absorbed in the creativity, but it's you you can't get it to your audience and your market, you know? And and like that guidance, that compass of guidance, it always comes back. Um, and then things, you know, Veros is gonna be a global superstar, no doubt about it. Come back to me in a year, we'll have this conversation and you'll see that. Because there is a formula, there is a strategy. It's, it's, the, it's having those people in place. When the dominoes go, it will happen. But you need good people around you. You know, the unstoppable team that I'm with. Like, if I don't know something, there's someone within our team that is the best at that, you know. But managing expectations with talent can be a real challenge. But if they trust you, it can really, really work. It comes yeah. down to that. It comes down to that trust, and that's yeah. the. I think that's the most important word. Yeah. When you when you were working with Timberland, Missy Elliott, and stuff, what, um, was there a point where you said, like, because you did take a break away from from this? What what was that moment for you when you said, right, I can't carry on this? The the moment. So we I moved from doing a, like so much music press into um, events which I really loved and um, Bali from uh, Bali Witchless. I know if you guys people know him on Instagram, he, he played a role in kind of me shifting into events and um, we'll come back because the Cray twins are a massive part of my history and we can't like skip on that, but uh, Bali them. called go, me. Go for them. He, yeah. <laughs> you want to start there? You can. It's all right. I'll, I'll do the Bali story because then <laughs> it will tell me like it will tell you why. So he 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 called and he said I'd love for you to meet my client. We're going to be in London. I went down with the client around the world. So first one was going to be in Cannes, and then we we're going to move over to Monaco, and we did the Cannes Film Festival, and it was great. So in, during the daytime, it was a bespoke built um, pop up club. So during the day, it was for press conferences. So we did like Justin Timberlake press conference. Um, Jackie Chan. Jackie Jackie Chan is um, one. He's Jackie Chan is on one of my bucket lists to meet in my life. Oh, 
by yeah. hook or by crook, I have to meet him. So if anyone could hook that up, super nice, like had time for everyone, and everyone went to see him. So anyway, like during the day, it was like a pop up, like um, almost like a business networking club where these times we do we do the press launches and all of that, and in the evening. Um, we would have like other talent, like so we'd have like Mark Ronson or Cassie, uh, Red Foo and uh, Paris Hilton. And, you know, so it was quite different. And I remember working so hard on that. And then we were, we were this moment will never leave me. My son was about, he was a couple of years old, Veer, he, he was tiny. And it was the first time I left him, I was leaving him for about 10 days. We were on this super yacht. As you do. In Monaco. And... Um, we were having a party with Red Bull and um, the the racing driver. And I'm going to, oh my God, everyone's going to kill me because I can't remember. We had, I forgot his name when I was talking to you before as well. The right, racing driver a... who won that Grand Prix. Hang on. I'm gonna anyway, just... yeah, go I on. could not, I did not know what he looked like. And I was having a real moment on this yacht. Uh, we had a press conference on that top deck, a Red Bull party to celebrate, you know, who the winner was. What year was this? Oh, I can't remember. I, I'm going to I'm gonna think of his name. It'll come to me. It'll come to me. All right. So he's sitting there next to me and I'm like, oh, hi, would you like, you know, a drink or something? And, you know, how are you getting on? And just chatting. And I was like, do you know what? I'm just exhausted because I just, I feel poor left, right and centre. He's like, oh, just go home to your family. I was like, uh... Yeah, you know what? That party ended. Red Foo from, um, I can't remember what their band was called. They had a performance. We had like this amazing performance, uh, you know, uh, in Monaco. You see the whole pier, got like aerial dancers going through like fire and hoops and all of that. Listen, Ricky finished. I bag for you. I got the cab to the, um, uh, the villa we were staying in. Rebooked my flight, got myself to Nice Airport, flight Freddy, came back, switched my phone off. I was just, I am not doing this again. That was your. I was, that I was, was done. I was burnt. So it was that re- the racing driver who we forgot. Were Jensen, but no, wasn't no, it's not Jensen. We we had this whole conversation. I know we did. No, no think... let me just um, as we're talking, let me just Google him. Yeah, I'm, I'm, let's see, let's see who wins. Well, what re- what would really help is obviously the year. <laughs> I don't even remember. I, I mean, like, I'm so bad. Uh, let me just put in, like, driving. <laughs> what I'm going to do... I'm gonna... My husband's going to kill me because he works on F1. Uh, oh, here we, here, here we go. I reckon I'm... Uh, Sebastian Vettel. Sebastian Vettel. <laughs> you know... You know the amount of tags that I'm going to drop on this podcast? Oh, my God. It was so bad. <laughs> it was so bad that um, I did... Because I, I didn't... I don't know... I don't know. I mean, like, I'm not a racing fan or anything like that. Um, you know, you just know, like, the big names, like, Schumacher and Jensen Platt and whatever. They, I, there was, like, printed a list of name uh, pictures. I got the person's picture and I printed their name next to it so I knew who the hell everybody was. So I didn't look like, you know, a Lungur, basically. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, we, we skipped past this part and it's really important because um, Bali was the one who introduced me to the Cray Twins. Um, and I like we've grown together because they were at that part of they were like the first project that I completely took control of, you know, before even with like Tim and any of the other. I was like my boss was still there to kind of like help me shape it or I did all the work on it. 
but she was still there. Do you know what I mean? And I remember Bali coming to our co- uh, office in Covent Garden. And he's like, you've got to meet these guys. And I saw these two guys with that particular walk in. And uh, Bali's like, we've got this single, we've got this track. Um, they had no expense spared. Like they did it properly. You know, they had like a radio plugger, a TV plugger. We did them press digital. And um, they had this track and it was unreal. It was like with Twister, Lethal B, Gappy Ranks. There never has been, even to this day, a song that's had all of those genres together. And they killed it, absolutely killed it. And I remember at that time, you know, and I say this with massive respect, like I've got mad respect for them, but it's like, they're, they're also going from producing stuff in their own world to now being in the spotlight. So, you, you know, my job was like, all right, we've got to guide them how to do a red carpet. Okay, when you do red carpet, this is what you do, this is how you talk to blah, blah, blah. When you do an interview, nothing's off the record. You only talk about this. Here's like our crib sheet of the questions they're going to ask you. This is the answer we've got to give, right? And they, I think they learned a lot in that journey. I lo- learned a lot in that journey. And we kind of grew together through that whole thing. And it was the first time that I reckon South Asian talent went global and mainstream with what they did. Mm. Uh, it's really funny because the track's called What We Do. <laughs> <laughs> well, they got the red carpet treatment straight away. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, one thing that like really winds me up, and okay. it still uh, happens. You're gonna today, say it was gonna piss right? you up. I can see. And this happened. This happened at the studio yesterday, last night, and I just felt like, you know, I'm gonna end of Jardanda. Mm. because uh, we were at like press conferences we might be uh, I can't I think we were at the Kiss Awards they were opening the Kiss Awards and someone came up to me and they were like oh you're right I'm, yeah I'm here with the twins da, 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 da. instead of saying instead of like believing that I was their publicist he's like are you the girl are you the girl from the video like is that all you and I think it's it's so often and so evident in the industry where people will just presume that because you're a woman and you've got a bit of makeup on that you don't have a brain. You know, we were in a studio, I'm not gonna say the name of the person we were in the studio yesterday and really, really well-known big personality. And on the end, it's all warmed up and everything's still cool. Like we left on a high, but like when they walked in the room, it was like, hi, missed me and looked at someone else. I'm like, hold on. I'm, 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 we put together this session. I am management. I am part of this exec team. But just so that I was the only woman in the room. I don't know if you people like, I don't know if men like glaze past you because they do it out of some level of res- weird respect. Like, oh, it's the woman I should treat him. No, stick your hand out, shake my hand. I'm making this work. You're in my world. Let's just equal peg and have some respect. But isn't, like for you to kind of you've 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 earned the right in in to be in that room to be ahead of that room because you uh, from your history from when you're coming in there there's yeah. not that many people like so and, that, and that's why at the beginning of the podcast I said trailblazer because yeah. you you are dealing with different ceilings at different stages of your career to get to that yeah. bit 
And you could obviously feel it disheartening that you think, Hank, there's still elements of where I'm going back to when I was, you know. Yeah, I think all women job. feel that. I ask any woman, they feel that, you know. And then if you talk up, you're a bitch. If you don't say anything, like, you're not worth your salt. You know, but there's, there's, there's amazing women doing amazing things out there, like really, really incredible. And it's just that those little moments ruin it. Mm. You know, really little little moments ruin it. Um, so how do you try and safeguard that kind of scenario in the in the in the in the future? Because like, you know, I'm not kind of well versed to kind of speak on that on that bit. But what would you? Yeah. How would you kind of kind of prevent that? Oh, you, well, you're never going to prevent, prevent anything. It. You, know, you can't, you can't prevent, prevent it. it. Yeah. I can manage it. I am. Um, that's, that's the better word. Yeah, manage it. Yeah. I'm a, I am unashamedly me. Mm. And, you know, there is no real black and white with me. Um, if I'm good with you, it's because we've got good relationship with me. If I'm not engaged with you, it's because we didn't connect. And like, not, not in a negative way. It's just sometimes people just don't connect. Like, you do you, I do me. Mm. Um, you know, you have to have the other half of the population to share your narrative. Mm. And you have to have the other part of the population to speak your name into rooms where your name should be uh, and support that. And uh, there are people that, that Ben, Ben, I, I know I keep, I'm talking about him a lot, but, you know, he champions women. He will champion women in rooms where their names need to be whether they're there or not and there are men that do that and that men should continue do that uh continue to do that because we should be judged on our skills and our um knowledge and what we can bring to the table before what we look like mm. you, uh, your phone switched off were, you know after the your super park super party at the yacht yeah at home what did you do next um i came home and just before then actually i think there was a trigger before then um but i was working on south asian films i, I probably did that for about a year and i hated it i had i had this call from this company called fox and they had a film coming out and uh, they reached out to me and said, you know, we'd love to have a conversation. We've got this film. And I told them straight off the bat, never done film PR. I only know old Bollywood people. <laughs> it's not my thing. You've got the wrong company. Um, you should speak to someone else. And they're like, no, actually, we like the way that you do things in that mainstream circle. And that's what we want to bring when we do this launch. And... Um, I'd known, I'd met this guy called Tony Gill, who's dope, by the way, um, because he was a writer at um, for a gay magazine, but he was their music editor. And because his name was Tony Gill, I never knew he was Indian. I just thought he's just an English person called Tony Gill. And we used to chat all the time. He used to review my records because I used to work for Head Candy. Mm. He used to write and review all the records. And then we reconnected a long a while later and he was at another PR company um, and all he had just left another PR company and he used to do film and Bollywood film and uh, we found out I found out he was Asian 
and did Bollywood films. So I was like, okay, look, let's work on this together because they want me to do it. I don't have that connection. I don't have the black book for South Asian film and Asian like PR for that time. So let's work on it together. And we did that. And it worked and we did really, really cool stuff. Like um, we had we had a, um, a launch for this movie called Race. It was like a trilogy. I think it was like Abhishek Bachchan and Saif Ali Khan, Kareen Kapoor, loads of people. And um, I, we created a whole theme and a campaign around it. And we did the press launch that was based on that theme at the Hippodrome in Leicester Square. I have not seen a bigger turnout for press and media coverage than we did that day. And it's purely because how the campaign was managed and sold. And we delivered it like how you do like a mainstream media launch, film launch, but it just so happened to be thisy. But I first realized that that was not my world because it's big fish in a very, very small pond. And I started learning that someone who I thought was a decent person, a good friend of mine that had actually even helped me started saying really mean things about me, siphoning money and like stealing money and all of this kind of stuff. And I was, it almost broke me because I just couldn't understand how you could just take something that's work to a really personal level um, and just hate, like, you know, Mary J. Blige with a hateration. It was like a full episode of hateration. And then I'd gone to Monaco. And, and I think that was the trigger, really, that made me go, do I really want to be in this 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 world where everyone's just so fake? Um, and that stopped. And then I just I took a break. Um, and there was a couple of little businesses that I did. And then um, I had a I was working with another business partner and he saw um, a venue. Um, a large venue that needed refurbing and I bought that with him and it was the Coliseum in Ilford it's a large banqueting hall done up immaculately we spent so much on bringing it back to its like glory you know 1920s style 650 seater so I started doing that doing events there it gave me time for me to be with my family because I wasn't working during the week it did like the weekend events it launched a catering company with it um and, I, and, it, and it was successful. It's still successful. I've sold my share of it now to Jag, to my business partner, because um, you have to do what you love that gives you joy. Like I have to wake up in the morning and feel like it's a new day. Mm. I'm excited to be doing something, I'm excited to be working. And um, it worked. It worked financially. It's still working. It's a great business. You all should just go and, get your inquiries in and, <laughs> and, and book and, and, and book. But um, it didn't quench my soul the same way that music does. And spirituality plays a, a big part in, in, especially in, you know, the journey that you shared with us so far. And you did go down that road because really, you've, you've worked uh, on yeah. some, yeah yeah, 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 you've, you know, you, you know <laughs> well, yeah, you, you're kind of responsible for, you know, a, a real kind of important, important news outlet within kind of the the, the Sikh month, the the Sikh, yeah. Sikh community. Uh, yeah, I'll, 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 I won't be able to do it justice. Um, 
but yeah. I think that was the first time where we actually met. Yeah. Um, was that yeah. one of those events? Can you just go into that for us a bit? So um, I was in a bad way because I had a very, very difficult pregnancy. I was on crutches. And um, at one point it was literally like, you just got to be on bed rest. And I, I had a message and I connected with Jagraj Singh and he, I didn't know much about this kind of, uh, you know, that, that world. And um, he connected with me and he said, I've got this idea where we need to, I, I want someone to do PR for the month. So talk about all our stories and really kind of like lift the profile. And we carried on speaking and I was like, no, I can't do this. It's too big for me. It's not my world. I don't understand it. I'm afraid to make mistakes. I'm afraid to be a part of that that world and not do it justice and then he was quite adamant and because I was unwell he said to me just start doing bod I only know belly at that time I only knew belly body so this um, is your garage from basics of security yeah yeah sorry it? yes 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 the, the 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 miracle that he is you know and he said to me do bod I was like I only know up to there and then he got me into basics I learned Jopji Saab, Jab Saab. I, I li- literally like nicknamed through basics of Sikhi. So, um, and then the more I thought about it, I'm like, yeah, you know, we could do this. And and then my idea was, let's set up a news agency, like a, a actual press news agency that is apolitical from anybody else, any sort of different um, groups or sects within within the Sikh organisations in the UK. And we had like three, we will have three missions in three columns. One was to make sure that if there's anything that was reported within the news about this sitcom that was incorrect, factually incorrect, we would be, we would challenge that. No fear. We just go and challenge it the same way that, um, you know, very, very well run press agencies for different faiths are like, you know, the Jewish community have got a very strong press association. Uh, and, and movement, um, the Christian community do, the Muslim community do, but our com didn't have anything. So we reshaped together what was his idea into uh, a model that the mainstream media are used to dealing with. So, um, uh, you know, the factual uh, corrections and, and what we're doing, and act as a springboard between the Sikh community. So we've got the Sikh community giving us this story in their way, but we've got to then turn it into a, a formula that the mainstream media can digest in their way um, and, and raise the profile of the community. So the one way that we did that initially was we, you know, he said, let's not just launch, let's do something and show the impact because so many people were like, oh, that's a rubbish idea. Oh, that's never going to work. Oh, and, you know, just, and then I, I had, I had a lot of, stuff that I had to deal with because you know I didn't look seek enough you know I had like I can't remember I had short hair I've got tattoos and stuff and you know I didn't I don't know I didn't wear like salad gummies whatever their issue was with me they had an issue with me and Jagraj Singh like fiercely supported me and said no this is what we're doing and that's it so we launched Langer Week and it was a concept to show uh, a facet of Sikhi that people didn't quite know about um, and at that time there was a massive um, so this is how we this is how we navigated that space why should Sikhs know about us what can we talk about Sikhi that will give us uh, 
almost like a, a point of reference. Um, and how can we do that and show the value in the Sikh Press Association before we launch? So one of the things was, if you ask Joe Bloggs on the street, tell me three things about the Christian community, about Jewish community, the Muslim community, they could very, whether they're into religion or not, they could say, oh yeah, they do this or they wear that or they pray five times a day, whatever. And you, they couldn't say much about the Sikh community. So we knew that we were not, uh, we, there was no reference point for what Sikhs do apart from we do good stuff, right? And so there was a news report that was launched around there that about Britain being on the poverty line. And then we were like, how can Britain be on the poverty line? We need to tell people about Lungar and Seva. Yeah. And that's how we created the narrative that we then fed into the mainstream media. And that was when I asked someone who I have massive respect for, Jasveer Singh. And Jasveer used to be a hip hop writer. And we met when he was writing. He did, he did a lot of sports writing, but he was really into like music. And he covered loads of like our con my content. Um, and I knew that he was kind of starting to, he said to me like, I'm really into like, I'm starting to get into Sikhi brought him on the two of us did the first longer week campaign absolutely killed it and um, then we launched the Sikh press association so this is the value to the gong because we are now able to have one hub that mainstream media can trust for factual knowledge that's not skewed in opinion it is very factual and it's still I mean I'm not part of it day to day mm. I haven't been for a long time um, it's run by uh, Jasveed and there were people that work with him and under him and, and basics still make it happen and it's still run on donations you know um, that changed my life that was a life-changing moment mm. life-changing moment I remember when I first saw that, you know, the press association is that that kind of source of credible information, the fact checker place where to get it. Yeah. And when I saw that being launched, that's why I was at that event, because I had to actually go and see this for myself. Because um, I was highlighting, you know, drug and alcohol, Punjabi um, use in the in, in the community. And, and there was no kind of avenue for where for, for me to go to get to get the, that, those messages out, because I could put something stupid up I'd get x amount of like something that needed to be shared and that was just getting completely blanked mm. and um I, I built quite a lot of frustration at that time and I think that's wow. where we where we had our first kind of interaction or where I was like you know just oh yeah we've got this go on let's go let's do let's do this yeah. and we're like no yeah. there's, there's actual methodology around uh, around it yeah. and then and then you 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 did that and you 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 left there obviously still got strong relations and stuff within there yeah. and then you know you are a natural creative what was the you know where's the end goal now in terms of what you're doing you're part of unstoppable you're you're managing you're a C, ceo there and how, you know how did that come about i've known i've known ben for 18 years maybe longer i don't know and um we, he was at Sony and he's worked with like really big names. Like he uh, worked with like Destiny's Child early in the day, really made that happen. And I was part of that integral team that launched them, JLo, loads of big names. And um, we connected on and off throughout the years all the time. So we were really close. We were working on 
uh, he he had a magazine working on that moved away and then I was consulting with um, an organization called the London Week of Peace and doing this they, they, we wanted to do this really big concert in Trafalgar Square so I'm like okay Ben let's do this and he's always been that one person that's solid in my whole career like people come and people leave but he's always been constant and we lost touch because I came off all social media I came off everything we lost touch and then when I went back on to social media um he we reconnected at that time and I remember we met at this pub in Stratford called the Cal and we were there for ages and you know really connected and he was doing unstoppable and I just said I don't have the bandwidth you know I just don't I'm, I'm invested in here and I, I don't have the bandwidth and then but there was a pull there's a pull for me to kind of want to do that but I had to be sensible because I was running two other businesses you know I was running because in Mala um and Varos was one of the key reasons that triggered me to move back into Unstoppable I found I, I saw him online he looked like my kid brother and I remember he did a Justin Bieber cover which I thought was brilliant um and it went I showed my folks in my on our family whatsapp and I said oh doesn't it doesn't this kid look like Burnham and it was like oh yeah yeah and then I started finding out that Varos also went to the same uni that I went to we actually have the same surname um and I just thought okay is this a sign am I overthinking it is this a sign so I took him to Ben and I said look I think you should I think you should manage this kid and um I think that there's real scape scope for him there's a gap in the market there's been no one since Jay there's you know and, and before then there was no one after Raghav um and he was like no I, I can't no you do it I said I've never managed an artist completely I've done the parenting as the PR and publicist and he said right let's just do it together and we're doing it together you know and I'm you know actually being part of Unstoppable we're doing there's so much you know it started a long time ago of like just talent but we have an agency now and we you know the agency's bringing brand partnerships with brands that want to work with talent and not just our talent just generally talent um music entertainment film sport and um you know we have a studio we do a lot of production um the production outfit dot inc are absolutely incredible they come from a classical music background they they're you know not uh, nominated for like a sync awards they've worked with everyone from like stormzy gigs all the way to like really up and coming talent and then they've shaped you know off the cuff talent that's killing it like Nux um and then we look after Chantel Lee who is incredible um she's half Singaporean half English pop princess um a really beautiful pop sound that's global these are the, 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 the talent that we're managing are global um and uh, and then Varos is part of part of that camp, but um, I think he's always really been that anchor, and it gave me the faith to know that where I've always been held there with him, and he's spoken my names, my name in rooms where I've not even expected it to be. Mm. Um, I was pulled, and when you know it works, I'm I'm waking up every morning going, yes, let's get it. What's happening today? You mm. know. Like uh, just this week, we've been in the studio with Divine. 
um, who is unreal, you know. Um, Mark Stripple is working alongside us um, with, with Veros and I'm just in a really good place. What I want to do is leave a legacy. I want, I want to leave a legacy and how that is going to shape up in the next couple of years, I don't know. But I want brown girls to know that if I want to do something, I can do it. Mm. And I can see people that look like me that can do it. That's what I want to leave. I think it makes such a such a big difference when you even um, when you sometimes even strangers where they they believe in you, they say something and they put their faith in you. Just say that like, you can do it because you're going to naturally do that. Yeah. And in your it, one of the golden threads in all your story, everything that you shared today and what we've been discussing is that you always had that one person who was believing you along the, along that yeah. way, Ben being, you know, a fundamental yeah. part of it. But when you had your mentors and everything like that within there, you know, in terms of, you've talked about legacy, so I ain't going to go about it from there, but just kind of looking at bit of moving forward, what, what do you envisage the kind of next sort of year, two years, up to five years would look like? The next, I mean, like the focus is unstoppable, you know, where I dip in, I do consult, so I dip in out of things. So I was consulting for the Academy of Contemporary Music, which is also part of Metropolis Studios, you know, like Metropolis, the largest um, recording mixing mastering studio in Europe. Um, I love working with creatives. I love working with within music. And I love seeing things grow, Ricky. You know, when someone's got an idea and they're conceptualising something and, and you can see it grow that's what I want to kind of be able to add my touch to and then move back. So my anchor is going to be unstoppable. Yeah. You know, um, we've got some really exciting things, which I'm bursting to tell you, but I can't. <laughs> and I'm like, when I think about it on paper, it's so unreal. It makes me want to swear. <laughs> like it's so unreal. <laughs> but, you know, that, that is what, is is paramount right now and I think we're going to change lives we're going to change business we're going to change models it's really difficult like when something when you know people say it and then you go oh don't say it because if it doesn't happen you know but it's happening it's just that I can't talk about it right now um so we're moving into different territories but like you know unstoppable is that future for me you know um Veros is the future dot ink are the future dot ink are unreal like I, 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 anyone that's listening to this or watching this, I just really want you to, to look at uh, talent that's emerging, listen to what's around you, keep your ear to the ground, connect with people, screw ego, ego will not get you anywhere, just, just work and find the right circles for you. Um, but we're, yeah, we're, la we're launching this year with the, with these acts and I've got great people around me, you know, like, not only Ben, um, Michelle, um, again, best friend, speaks my name in rooms where I never even thought I could be, you know. I'm sitting at tables where I never thought I'd have a chair to pull up. Um, uh, JPL, who's, again, like part of Unstoppable. I mean, the stuff that I'm learning from her is wild. Um, Ross, Ross looks after, like, label... Um, the label side of what we do at Unstoppable, learning tons from him, Chris. You know, the, we the, we are a team. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I just think that the future is bright and I'm really excited for it. And I'm excited to meet more people. I'm excited. Like, I don't think people should double think about hitting me up. You know, um, I love connecting with people. I love um, talking to people, arts, culture, um, music, entertainment, film. Like, we're all growing in that scene. We can all find something to work on. Mm. Um, so I, I'm around for those conversations, you know. Some things will work out and some things won't, but I'm around for those conversations. So I'm going to kind of bring it to, to a close at this bit now. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I offer an opportunity to each of my guests um, to either jump on a bandwagon or jump off a bandwagon, or if they can't answer that, um, then is there anything that they'd like to get off their chest at this point? So this is your opportunity. To get off my chest? Yeah, like, do not be dismissive. <clears throat> you don't know someone's journey. And, you know, like in the music businesses, you're only as hot as your last record, okay? But don't dismiss people's knowledge and what they can bring to the table. See past your own inflection of ego and be prepared to offer the first hand. You know, no one's waiting to ask you anything be open to like opportunities, exploring and conversations. We're all regular people at the end of the day. We are genuinely regular people. We face the same challenges. We all wanna grow. We all wanna build our networks and our businesses and, and make money and, and be happy in, in doing what we're doing. Do not dismiss a woman, period. And don't let like your ego stop you from growth. Like I just see that all the time, you know? And once that ego's dropped, there's no like we all had to, we all have challenges you can't sometimes you can't do you can't you don't know the answer yourself ask someone mm -hmm. um that's what i want to get off my chest <laughs> Rupin, thank you man and um and i'm sure this is going to be enlightening for a for a lot of people and, and i really appreciate that you know taking time out and having having this discussion and this this channel this resource whatever it may be will always be open to yourself so thank you anything that you want to do yeah. I was so excited when you asked me to be on this and when <laughs> we and and then when we started talking I remember I was on the motorway and it was raining and I was I could feel the like I was on the verge of not feeling well but we ended that conversation and I was so excited about what we spoke about what yeah. you were doing and how this is going and I was I kept thinking, I walked into the office and I kept thinking, why have we never like done this before? Like, I'm so glad like we've got this podcast. I'm so glad that it's a safe space. Yeah. And and it's cerebral and it's effective. And you know, like I'm do you, really, do you remember really when we when we had the conversation? I remember when we first started it. I don't I haven't forgot this. Uh -oh. You said when you said, uh, oh, I've got a bit of imposter syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> And I was like, okay, let, let, let me explore this. And I just said, oh. like, I'm just going to go from what I know. And then that minute and two minutes just ended up being, I think even then after we messaging, I was like, still like, oh my God, I can't believe. I remember yeah. I rang up a couple of my mates and I was like, do you know who, do you, and I couldn't even say like, do you know yeah. these people? And then it just got into that, into that way. So I was like, I thought the concentration is to get this story out. It needs to be documented. It needs to be legacy. Yeah. It needs to be yeah. done in this way because, you know, there's people like yourself in other areas of expertise who deserve to have their, have their narrative owned 
by themselves, be able to kind of be developed. And this is just one of a, you know, a little small kind of platform for people to try and showcase showcase their stories or it's a massive platform we yeah. like let's stop there it's massive because if we didn't have safe spaces like this mm. we wouldn't talk about ourselves the big difference is that you have people that my job is to publicize and raise the profile of other people that has always been my focus my downfall was that I never did that for myself I never treated myself as a client one of my mentors, he used to be a publicist for um, Hugh Hefner, and he said to me, uh, "We were at, we, we were at we were at this event, and um, he is awesome. He, we were at this event, and he said to me, he said, uh, Rapinda, always give your carve out enough time for yourself to treat yourself as a client, and then you tell your story. And I didn't, and now you're telling me that story." you're telling my story for me and for that I'm grateful on that note thank you I'm gonna leave it at there <laughs> Cheers. yeah Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.